0: Oh. Yeah. Always makes me feel good. Love that. What a jingle! Righto, guys. Today I have one of the greatest lads on the podcast. He's a Hawks Bay legend. He's won the Super Rugby with the Hurricanes and now he's a very popular figure over in Japan and he's even recently been called into the Japanese International Training Squad as well as that, he's been a huge part of the great Hurricanes Info Committee and of course he is an absolute lad, it is one of the great Mark Abbott, welcome Jared. Great to
1: be here Jared, you know, one of the great Japs, I'm full of confidence now, let's go, let's get into it.
0: Mate, that is, that is a good response, I'm really feeling energetic <laughs> now, so because you are one of the great Jareds.
1: I'm one of many Jareds, mate. Um, any Jared who asks why you're a Jared becomes a Jared, and there's Jareds in several countries around the world, mate.
0: <laughs> Who's your favourite Jared?
1: Oh, my big Japanese mate over here, Takashi Genki. Oh. Um, he's a he's a great Jared.
0: <laughs> well, what about Jared Broadhurst? He's the original Jared, isn't he? Big Jared Broadhurst, um, the big grump. Also a favourite. <laughs> so many, so many Jareds. And have you named your child, Jared? Uh, I haven't got a child yet, but um,
1: hopefully we'll have one soon and potentially could be called Jared.
0: <laughs> I, hope, I hope they're called Jared. That'd be one of the greats. <laughs> anyway, what yeah, are you up to? Stuff. What are you up to over there?
1: Mate, I am sitting in my tatami room with my beautiful bamboo floor here oh. uh, in Minakata in Japan, just taking it easy.
0: And season's finished. How was, how was the year with Senex?
1: Uh, season is finished three weeks ago. It was not a champagne season for Senex, unfortunately. We had a, a tough run of games there, but my them um, all the same.
0: It's been probably fair to say you've had a pretty tough run since you've been over in Japan. Haven't won a huge amount of games, have
1: you? I had a funny dream the other day, and uh, I was talking to someone and saying that since I left the Hurricanes, I've won four games that meant anything. Um, so four games in four years has been it's been challenging, mate. It's been challenging.
0: What was that the dream? Or (laughs)
1: like I was speaking to someone, but then I woke up and I was like, Well, I was speaking the truth, wasn't I?
0: (laughs) It was out of it. (laughs) What a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Accurate, mate. Always accurate. You've actually only won four games in three years.
1: Yeah, two with Sanax, one with the Sunwolves. One with Coke and Drew one with Coke as well. <laughs> oh, to save from relegation. So it was um Oh
0: true. I
1: mean I had a few injuries, so I missed a couple of games here, but here yeah. and there. But yeah, it just makes those wins that much sweeter, you know? Like if you win every week, you get a bit over it sometimes. Yeah. But when you get that one win after seventeen games, I tell you what, <laughs> mate, it's it's sweet.
0: It's party time. <laughs> <laughs> and how is it at Senex? Have you enjoyed the move? Hey, uh,
1: I, have, I have actually really loved it out here so we are about 45 minutes out of the city so it's a little bit more rural um, if anywhere in Japan is rural but um, you know rice paddies along the road to training um, and get out there and the training grounds right next to the beach just swim after every training it's just yeah, it's beautiful, really enjoyed it
0: out here mm. Well that's good to hear and the club how's the club going? Because there's been some rumours floating around
1: Yeah so unfortunately Senex has decided to I assume pull back the budget um, and and focus on I assume other areas of the business, but so the rugby team is downsizing quite a bit. So yeah, the foreign numbers, um, foreign player numbers, and coaching staff is is, is going to be as lower for the yeah next few
0: years or so. So what does that mean for the club? So yeah, I mean over here in Japan, a lot of people
1: will say like the bigger your budget, the better you'll go. Um, and I'm not going to sling any mud, but if you look at someone like uh, a team like Kobe, um, well, there were a, Strong enough mid table, but a couple of years ago, the side just put a lot of money into it. And obviously, buying Daniel Carter is a good start. Um, And then, you know, they win the championship final by 40 points. So it just shows you what you can do if you've got money. Um, Sanix, being a smaller club with not a lot of money um, to throw around, has always traditionally struggled. And so, with this even greater decrease in funding, yeah, it's going to be harder for them to compete in those upper echelons of top league rugby over here.
0: Yeah. So they're going to drop down.
1: So, yeah, my understanding is that yeah, they're going to drop down a division or maybe two. But uh, a lot of these conversations sometimes happen in Japanese, and although I've been here a few years, I can't understand everything. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. And obviously, there's some pretty sad news about your, our other team, the Coca-Cola Red Sparks, last week. How they've pulled pin on their rugby program altogether.
1: Yeah, that was absolutely devastating to hear. To be honest. Um, From what I understand, the boys didn't have a clue. Mm. Uh, And they went into a meeting expecting just to be told what's happening and like going forward. And uh, the big bosses were like, that's it. We're done. No more, no rugby team. So obviously the foreign boys with families over here, it's quite stressful. But uh, for the Japanese boys, that means literally no more rugby um, unless they find another team. But most of them just go back to full-time jobs
0: it's sad eh? cuz there's yeah. some really good players in that team and to think that they're now no longer going to be playing rugby it feels like a real waste yeah it is a, it's a
1: bit, it's a big waste and there's guys like my favorite japanese player um yusaku Kawazu, who was mr sevens japan mm. sevens captain for a long time
2: yeah
1: you know he's given 16 17 years to that team and you know he, he still had more gas in the tank and he just loved it and then to see him retire on the back of this has been yeah, it's been yeah, pretty hard, pretty hard to watch.
0: So what's stopping someone like him going to another team? Can you Do you understand all that? Oh it, Well, he was a professional, um, so he
1: was able to go to another team. Oh, yeah. Um, but in that space, you know, he's 36 or seven. I can't remember, but yeah. once you get to that age, it's a bit harder to transition to other teams. Mm. He's got family here that's, you know, his kids are in school. It's just hard to move around. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously the young boys who are up and coming and want to have a crack. By all means seek out new teams. But yeah, the older guys, not not so easy.
0: So do you have to go to professional to change teams or no? Uh not
1: that I am aware of. So it's difficult because like Coca-Cola by working there, being a half to, half uh, part-time rugby player, part-time worker, you have a job for life, yeah. which is great security for these boys. So when they, you know, rugby's pulled up stumps them here, um, they can choose to go to another team, but then they forego that job for life and and yeah. you know coca-cola is a huge company and there's a lot of you know opportunity there for them yeah
0: Jeez, tough,
1: challenging yeah. challenging stuff
0: for them i tell you what and obviously the foreigners the ones that we played with over there they'll be they'll be in a bit of a difficult situation they'll be scrambling around for clubs too and there's some good players there um who could be a good pickup for some teams looking
1: yeah absolutely so obviously <laughs> with Senex and coke both downsizing and i hear there's a little bit going on another team in tokyo as a lower ranked team but you know that's kind of three teams that would take a lot of foreigners you know yeah. and now now that market becomes more compressed and there's less opportunity out there so those guys are, i'm hopeful they'll pick up you know gigs here and there but it's um yeah it's a bit of a challenging waiting game for a family
0: yeah that relies on you is it worrying times for japanese rugby you reckon or is this sort of a one-off potentially because
1: this is my limited knowledge of it but and i don't want to offend anyone but from what i understand like, the the corporate rugby over here is obviously governed by the jrfu but the companies have a lot of power mm. and so it's been like that for a long time for as long as the league's been in action and with this transition to a pro league from what i understand there's a quite a hefty financial burden to to bear to to be part of that league yeah. and some teams who aren't the big budget teams are potentially thinking maybe not, not for us or maybe we'll go in a different direction yeah so, I don't know if it's a bad sign for Japanese rugby because I think, as a whole, this new pro league will probably make the game stronger over here um, and make it more professional. And, you know, player welfare will be a bigger thing, which we, yeah, should be really good for them. <laughs>
0: that will be a good thing because <laughs> there hasn't been yeah. a lot of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's almost non existent, but hey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyway, something that's happened the last few weeks. You, your form's been so good that you've been called into the Japanese training squad. How good's that?
1: Yeah, I mean, my form on the on just training in general must have been pretty good because I had I've missed a few games, Jimmy. I had a few injuries, so uh, apparently they like the way I get on the rower and go to work. So you were always
0: good on the bike, out of the saddle. You could bike for hours, Jared. yeah, you
1: know, I, I loved I love the ladder, and you know, I took the win for Cully and uh, um, Surf to Peak a few years ago, a few yeah, times. So. Yeah. I don't mind the bike, but um, no, like, really excited to be part of the Japan squad. Um, you yeah, know, like, since the World Cup and even before that, since I got here, I, was, I saw that team and I liked the way they played. It was exciting and mm. looked like they're having a lot of fun and um, everyone gets on really well. I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to be a part of that if I could, you know, if I could make it become eligible. So I've hopefully made, taken the first step and now it's up to me just to, you know, perform and see who we end up.
0: No doubt you'll do that. So how did the how did the call come about? Did Jamie Joe call you or how, what happened there? Well,
1: it was 2021, James, so I got an email, which was, um, which was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just asking if I was interested and I said 100% I'm interested. Um, and then that was a couple of weeks before the team was announced and then the team was announced and and that was great and all exciting and that was <laughs> where it's been left at the moment, but I'm sure to get some information soon. <laughs>
0: You're probably supposed to be at camp last week.
1: Well, I'm not sure. I've been ringing a few people, no one seems to answer. So maybe it was a typo or something.
0: <laughs> that is weird, though, eh? Just have heard nothing.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think um, I think there's a fair bit going on with world rugby schedules and calendars. And I don't know if there's actually as much information available as you'd probably expect. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, fair enough. But how's, how's your Japanese and stuff, anyway? I know it was. You were getting better while I was over there, but you must be pretty fluent now. Now you're a Japanese international.
1: Fluent, yeah. It's <laughs> a loose word to throw to my situation, mate. But I go through phases of trying really, really hard, and I study every day and have yeah. my lessons and stuff, and then, and then I'll just stop for a wee while, and yeah, yeah. But uh, it's one of those situations where, like, I wanted to learn it to be able to just have conversations with the, the boys, with the teammates, to get to know each other. Yeah. Cause It's really hard, like you can't just bring your translator along to a coffee every time you take you know, go out with someone, <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it's getting there. Are
0: you at that point where you can go for a coffee now with a Japanese guy who can't speak English? Yeah, I think so.
1: Like, I, I've been oh, wow. for dinner with a couple of boys, like, and with their bit of English and my little bit of Japanese, we kind of get there and a little bit of Google Translate, yeah, yeah, yeah. have a few faux pas, but that's <laughs> oh, all a bit of fun, mate. <laughs>
0: And one more thing about the Japanese. Can you sing their national anthem?
1: Um, I've actually been told that I should definitely learn that. Yeah. Um, before I even get close to potentially getting on the field one day. Yeah. Um so I've I've actually put that on the to do list yeah this week. So. Oh,
0: so you don't know it yet? Can't get a wee reinforced. No, I mean, Go on, give us a wee something. No, honestly I haven't, haven't <laughs>
1: I mean, maybe I'll just reserve that till like if I'm actually selected and, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed in that department and then, and then really just cram it all in at the end there.
0: Oh, <laughs> because well, you do have a good voice. I always loved listening to you at karaoke. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true, man. That's auto-tune. <laughs> yeah, T-Pain. Just
1: that. Yeah, actually T-Pain has a delightful voice. I heard it recently. Oh, does it. heard he? him live. He was, un- he was unbelievable.
0: What, without auto-tune?
1: Yeah, it's almost like, why didn't you perform your whole career with without it? <laughs> it was really good. What,
0: was he in Japan? Oh, I wish. No, um, I don't know
1: where I heard it. One of those yeah, live studio things. Oh, I thought, you,
0: I thought you saw him live. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, that's cool. No. Because yeah. you, you do do a lot of travel, though, and you have definitely made the most of your travel while you've been over there, haven't you?
1: Yeah. So that was actually mainly the reason I came over here. Well, the, me and my wife came over was just to experience something different and something new. And with the New Zealand rugby schedule, you get a very small window Mm. um, of time off. And in that time off, you've also got to remain fit to turn up in shape. So coming over here, the attraction was that there's large amounts of time off, off seasons and bi-weeks and stuff. So whenever we had a chance, we were pre-COVID, we were out of there, gone, (laughs) (laughs) seen a few places, mate.
0: Yeah. Any favourites? Because you saw pretty much half the world in, I remember you going for a massive holiday. It must have been like three months or something, was it? Or am I making that up? Yeah, we had, had a
1: couple, well, I don't know, we spent had a couple of months in couple South America months. last year.
2: Yeah,
1: that's it. Well, however it worked out. Yeah, like for the, well, technically a honeymoon, but no, it was actually the year before. Um, yeah, it was just great, mate, like getting out and getting a bit intrepid and getting away from footy for a bit and, mm. you know, didn't have to do any training for six or eight weeks and then just gives it the body the time to repair and you know, mm. feel a bit better about things and you can actually turn back up and be really hungry, ready to go, you know?
0: You have been living. So go on, give give me your favorite holiday spot for when COVID ends and we can go back on the airplane. Where are we going?
1: Oh probably your house in Mapua mate mansion.
0: Yeah, every day's a holiday out here. <laughs> what a spot <laughs> oh, absolutely that
1: um now mate, I'm a, I was real keen to go to Mongolia last yeah. year just to um, just looks absolutely wild and just out of it and mm. want to try it out. But yeah, I mean, maybe in a year or two, see how we, see how we end up. Not sure yet.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Mongolia, let put it on the cards.
1: Yeah, well, I heard when the honey badge was over here playing for Coke, he nipped off for a bye week and went, um, was it hawking or eagling? Oh, <laughs> yeah. what is that? They hunt with him and he oh, it's
0: apparently true. wanted to do it. Oh, wow. And he went out and... Just went for it.
1: I was like, that
0: sounds like a bit of me. <laughs> <laughs> you love all that stuff, hey? You're right into it. Yeah. One of the great works, mate. Yeah. Anyway, mate, we've gone a long way through and we haven't even gone back to the start for you. One of my favorite parts of the podcast is getting to know what life was like for you growing up. So what was life for the young little Jared like in Christchurch? Because I know you're a big Christchurch man.
1: Yeah. Um, Life was pretty good, mate. Simple life. Well, I grew up in Darfield, so... I was 30-odd minutes outside of Christchurch yeah. uh, on a farm. I was the youngest of four kids, so I had it pretty easy. Um, not going to lie. Uh, yeah, farm life was good. The older brothers were, I don't know, maybe a bit, little bit sick of me when I was <laughs> constantly <laughs> following them around. <laughs> Bloody idolised them when I was a kid, eh? <laughs>
0: um,
1: but no, it was good. And then went from Darfield High School into boarding school at St Andrews and Christchurch. Oh, true. And, yeah, so I spent... Yeah, five years boarding, which was just great, mate. Just living with your best mates. Yeah, um, highly recommend it. And then, then when I left school, I did a gap year in the UK, which another thing I'd highly recommend if people are able to do it. Um, just great to get that in- independence and coach a bit of footy and do a bit of travelling and drink a few beers. It was yeah, it was all the time.
0: Where did you go? I
1: went to Sutton Valence School, which is in like uh, it's in Kent, so just south of London.
0: Oh yeah,
1: yeah. And so I spent my days. Geez, it was gentlemanly we started at 9 and finished at maybe 3.30. Yeah. And I was just in the PE department just teaching, helping out with PE. And then when there wasn't a class, I'd just get like the trampoline out or get the bowling (laughs) machine out and face a few balls. Like it was just, (laughs) that was great, man.
0: (laughs) So good. And obviously at your age, you would have been having a few big nights over there in London as a young CrossFit man. Must have had a few good stories from those times.
1: Anyone that's spent time over in London, at that age, um, and in the past, I don't know if it's still there, but the, the church was an absolute institution yeah. um, that I <laughs> frequented a few times, and, yeah, it was, I don't know how to describe it, it was just debaucherous. It was, <laughs> it was a great
0: start. That's a good word. Um,
1: yeah, I, there's no other way to describe it. Like, it is what it is, and it's famous for that, so you just embrace it.
0: <laughs> it's, not, it's not going anymore, is it?
1: I don't think so, eh? Yeah. Uh, yeah I think it might have moved on but it was good while it lasted as with a lot of
0: things yeah so then what was after the um gap year
1: I returned to Christchurch um and I started university at Canterbury played my footy for Christchurch football club battled through some cults and a bit of prems there and then I was in the academy there for a couple of years yeah um they'd only keep players for th- three years I think and after my second year I had got called into the academy manager's office, office and he was like, look, mate, we are not going to take you through to the next year of the academy. And I was like, okay, what? that's fair enough, mate. That's...
0: What had you done? Well, probably not enough, mate, by the sounds <laughs> of it. <laughs> were you a good trainer, though? I could, I always, am, yeah, I mean, you've always been a good trainer, hard worker since I've known you. So were you the same back then or were you just right into your purse?
1: Um <laughs> No, no, I wasn't right into my piss, mate. I probably, um, yeah, obviously tried my hardest, but I don't know, at that age, I I'd probably just thought there was a path to follow. So,
2: yeah.
1: you know, I, I'd made the academy and the natural progression of that was into playing for Canterbury and then play for Canterbury, play for Crusaders. Like, it just, yeah, I was, I was probably a little bit naive in terms of that sort of path I thought it would, it would follow.
2: Yeah,
1: um, And then so for him to tell me that that was not my path and he said, you know, go and do this, you, you know, you might end up somewhere else. And I was like, okay. Um, so I played a year of Colts with Craig Philpott who was the head coach there
2: mm.
1: at Canterbury yeah, Canterbury Colts and he had moved up to Hawks Bay. So I, uh, I gave him a call one day and I said, mate, are you looking for any players up there? And he said, I I am for sure. It would be great to have you up here, mate. I can't offer you a contract or anything, but we can get you up here and, you know, you can play club rugby and try and crack it that way. yeah And... I said, Well, that's good enough for me, mate. So I packed up my ninety six Nissan blue bed with zero <laughs> hubcaps and just <laughs> drove up there and just ripped into my work, really. Eh?
0: <laughs> Jeez, I, I honestly thought you went up there with a contract. I can't believe that. That's good stuff.
1: No, nah, mate, like so I filled my car up, my golf clubs took a bit of space, always like my golf. Um and rolled up there and I was like, yeah, I, I heard from a mate and he he put it in a pretty in simple terms, he said, you know, if you put yourself in a situation where the only option is to succeed, then you, you, you're more likely to succeed. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So, by by going up there, I put myself in a situation where it's like, well, this has to work. Otherwise, a, it's a little bit embarrassing,
2: yeah.
1: Um, because you come back to crush your tail between your legs to a degree. Um, and B, you know, like this is what you really want. You got to you got to give it everything. You know, otherwise, you just you know just fade out and that'll be the end of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's some, there's some funny old times up there. Like when I when I rolled into Napier, I had yeah my car and I pulled up to. I was living at a yeah, oh no, it's like a separate granny flat attached to Nick McLennan's house. He was already up there. Yeah, and uh, in my house I had um, a TV on the ground. I had a camp chair. <laughs> And a blow-up mattress. I lived on a blow-up mattress for like six months. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. That is humble. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mate, it was like, I don't know, quite enjoyed it, Well, eh? like, I didn't have TV, so I had like a hard drive um, yeah. with a few TV shows on it, so it went like movies, and I'd watch like an hour of a movie a night and go to bed. And, uh, yeah, it was it was humble, but it was yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Fond memories, mate, fond memories.
0: Well, that's good, and you obviously got stuck into your work. You must have had an outstanding club season because you were into the hawks bay side straight away is that right
1: yeah so i don't really know where i sit you know so i went up there as a number eight slash blind oh, yeah. um that maybe could cover lock um but yeah after playing the majority of the club season i called in one day and said you know we went through a contract and i said like, oh great and he said would you be interested in two years i was like would i <laughs> um so jump at that chance um maybe a little bit premature but you know if that's something you've been wanting, you you take what you can get. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't remember playing the greatest foot of my life, but it must have been all right. And then um, Grant Derns was a trainer. He was training us hard and I probably got as fit as I've ever been at that stage of my life. And yeah, I think that's translated through into ITM Cup. like, And it's probably sat with me most of my career, mate. Like I I feel like I play my best footy when I'm like really fit. Yeah. So I don't know, some people do other things other ways, but like I feel that gives me I just feel like I'm more in the game, and more accurate, get to more places, do more things, it's just, yeah, it's pretty simple philosophy, so like, I've learned that lesson, well, yeah, I didn't learn it in Kraschitz, but I learned it in Hawke's Bay, and it's served me pretty well so far.
0: Yeah, no doubt, look at you now, how good. So what was it like going into that Hawke's Bay uh, setup?
1: Mate, there's some living legends there, Carl Lowe, one of the greats, <laughs> New Coman. Oh, he was there the too. The people's <laughs> yeah, oh.
0: Chris there's, Eaton, yeah, I was, I was, was Chris Eaton there.
1: Chris Eaton, one of the greatest dirt you have ever met. No, great <laughs> guy, love him. Um, yeah, mate. Like, yeah, rolling into that team, and um, Albie Matthewson was there, and I'm sitting there going, "This is pretty big, pretty big dogs here, eh?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Like, somehow I got thrown in the coalface, buddy, as a lock, and must have played all right right in the first couple of games, and and then I got a call from. Hammer one day, and he's like, Mate, gonna come to Hawke's Bay to have a yanty if you keen, but maybe join the, the hurricanes. I was like, You're probably having a laugh, but you yeah, go on then, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, like, I mean, it happened a hell of a lot faster than I thought it would. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, bloody exciting time to tell you what.
0: So, was it straight up, was it after your first year with Hawke's Bay you got that call from Hammer? Five games, I think. Oh, wow, Jeez, instant impact. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Maybe he's he yeah, seen something that <laughs> some other people weren't before that. But <laughs> no man, I like obviously very grateful to um, you know, Potsy and, and then obviously the Hammer and stuff for giving me the chance and and you know, giving you that confidence to know that you you yeah, maybe you do actually belong at that level, you know.
0: Yeah. And you obviously had a couple of tough finishes to your years, first two years at Hawke's Bay, losing a couple of finals, was it?
1: Oh <laughs> a couple of tough you know. <laughs> Oh, I still remember them so well, mate. Like <laughs> we, What was it? He hired the kick to win against Tasman in oh, 2013. Yeah, right. And a tough kick, mate. And he gave it a pretty good nudge. It just you know, wasn't straight enough.
0: Were you feeling and, confident um, when he was lining it up? Did you think it was, he was going to get
1: it? I mean, he, he can kick, mate. Like He's, yeah. he's a gun. And so I was like, we oh, could be on here. And obviously, it didn't work out. <laughs> and then the ruthless Marco supporters, and God love him. <laughs> just giving it to him after, like, you effed up, you effed up. I was like, hey, you won the game. Do you need to, like, <laughs> just absolutely dread God ever. So, yeah, so that was that was a tough one. And then the following year we did everything the same and then got, yeah, I think we got pretty well beaten by a man or two in the final again. Oh, um, obviously, being our next-door neighbours, it's always a bit of a sour contest, you know, so. Yeah.
0: That looked like a good occasion yeah. too, though. Obviously, the smaller regions when they're hosting finals always seems to bring some good energy.
1: Oh, 100 percent, mate. Like, to be honest with you, got a lot of friends in that um, man or two team, and like, I was as happy for them, you know, as much as I'd like, you know, would have liked to have won it. Like, it was it was awesome that a smaller team like that won it and got promoted and yeah.
0: and whatnot. And then I think they got relegated the following year, anyway. And you guys got to win it the following year. Was that right? Third time lucky.
1: We. Third time lucky, mate. We had, yeah, we had Wellington at home, and it must have been, I think it was 25, 24 or something. Like that was so, yeah, it was an absolute nail biter. Oh. Got the W there, and the boys buddy ripped in. Like well, obviously we'd lost the shield two weeks before that, so oh, that was really a bit cool. sour, But then this <laughs> this tasted a bit better, mate. It was a bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How was that end of year, do? Was it was the one you won way better than the ones you lost, or was it all pretty much? Were they all pretty good do's?
1: Oh Chris Eaton runs a great uh, c mate. Um, yeah, they were they were always just fantastic. That's all I can say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what about with the shield? Was it the same when you won the shield or had that sort of tapered off? Because who was it? Was it Moo talking about the three day turnaround or something and they still got absolutely hammered before they lost it the following <laughs> the following week? You were you involved then? <laughs>
1: I don't really remember much of that game, but I remember the feeling after winning that shield in Dunedin and it was just the greatest feeling, like yeah, pretty satisfying, like just yeah, unbelievable. And the boys <laughs> there was a Sunday and we absolutely lost the plot um in Dunedin, which is easy to do. And then um yeah, couldn't quite turn up against counties the following week, but it was a great six days or whatever while it lasted, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good but you guys Hawks Bay seem to get shield challenges at least once or twice a year they love the shield
1: yeah I don't know who's doing it I don't know who's doing the schedules but he clearly works for Hawks Bay which is great so we'll keep him
0: on <laughs> I think Tasman have had two or three since they've started like maybe two <laughs> from the, ever in their whole entire history of the region unbelievable
1: unbelievable mate. yeah that shield is just it's a glorious thing mate like gets around like Hawks Bay is great it's showing it to everyone in every school and yeah everyone gets a part of it which is awesome
0: oh it is a good thing and then talk to me about your Hurricanes uh career going into the Hurricanes environment how was that obviously happened pretty quickly
1: <laughs> yeah it happened quickly um similar situation you know you walk in walking day one and like your locker's next to Jeremy Thrush and good. Dane Coles and they're, like, Jeez. a couple of absolute greats
0: what was it like um being next to Dane Coles in the locker room, people—I'm sure a lot of people want to. Does he give you a niggle in the locker room?
1: Mate, he was just a niggly guy, isn't he? Like he's from, um, you know, he's from Pram, so he's always going to be a niggly guy. And even in the locker room, mate, he's pushing in, shoving in. And it's just a bit of fun. You're like, come on, Dane, grow up, mate. You're thirty years old, mate. You got kids. Just come on. <laughs> it's not that. He's actually a lovely guy. Mate. He's a really nice guy. <laughs> but, but I, I think there's so many people out there that will look at Colsey and go but like, if they don't know him they're like oh he's just oh he loves the niggle but when he's on your team you love that he loves the <laughs> Like you get him behind him get him up, Colsey so good hey, love that. Up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does get you up mate oh, what, yeah. what about Great.
0: Thrushy what was he like having next year these two guys have obviously both come on lab before so it's good to get some insight onto them from someone else's perspective
1: Thruster, a lot of energy Love him. Yeah. Um, mate, I learned a lot from Thrushy and two years I had with him there. Like, yeah. it was just great to mirror him and watch him and just see what he does and you know, pick up little things. Um, <laughs> I, remember, I remember I got my super rugby debut was yeah, first game of the year against the Sharks at the Shark Tank in Durban. Reasonably daunting task, yeah. um, for a young fella. And we had a line out session somewhere during the weekend. I've been out doing what you do in Durban. You go shark diving oh, or playing right. golf or whatever. You did go shark yeah. diving. Oh, geez, said, that's was, another story in
0: itself. That was one of the worst trips yeah. ever. <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that was a couple of years later. But yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But I think we, I played golf. We came back and we just did this like, walk-through line-out session. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously I started with thrushy and like, you want know, to take chance. And, and like, I stuffed up a couple of the calls. Yeah. And then afterwards he like gets the boys in and just absolutely... Blast us as a collective, but yeah. purely directed at me, <laughs> and I say, like, "Holy oh, okay, I let my lesson here." Like that's the expectation yeah. <laughs> I know now. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, oh, that it was good. Mate. It was a good lesson to learn early on.
0: Yeah, gotta have someone tell you tell you the truth, eh? But let's let's oh, talk 100%. talk to me about that shark diving experience. What was that like for you? Because I've got a great photo of you deep under the water with big big sharks swimming around you. It's one of the great photos. Oh mate,
1: um, look whatever, we drove, if I remember right, about two hours south uh, to this reasonably dodgy looking port, and you jump on this boat and there's like waves crashing, and he's just waiting, he's waiting, and then he just fangs it in this like (laughs) fibreglass oversized dinghy, and you're like, this can't be right, and he just cruises well, he cruises us out over far half an hour or so, and then he stops, and there's other boats around, and like you're like, okay, sweet, so obviously no cage, which we'd agree to and sign the waivers and whatnot. And then you're like, oh, all yeah, right, sweet. So I'm going to jump in there, and then I'm all good. And then you start seeing the fins like touching the <laughs> surface. You're like, am I all good? Like, honestly, thought as I was sitting on the side of the boat, I was like, what have I done in my life to end up at this point where I'm about to jump into shark-infested waters? Like, <laughs> why am I doing this?
0: <laughs> were you seasick then, like everyone else, or were you all right? Because I remember only was spewing, and I was. I was the only, spewing, hey, was
1: was the only one that was all right, mate. Were you? Oh. So we were, we were only in the water for half an hour or so, but yeah. I just remember like, I think Maddie Proctor went first. I didn't know you might have been second. And then <laughs> the Fats lasted a while, and then he was chunning up. But honestly, by the end of it, I was the only one left, and I was swimming around. And it was just like little bits of meat, and <laughs> like white rice, floating. <laughs> mate, this is no good so the grim. boys are absolutely foul eh?
0: <laughs> that was grim <laughs> Oh, one uh, of the great trips <laughs> uh, all time all time oh I can't believe you didn't get sick what a what a sailor
1: oh, iron stomach mate that's what they call me over here
0: do they you, you never spelled no, <laughs> I was going to say you're always spewing on the pass. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. hey. S- settle down. <laughs> oh, but let, what about your other another thing that I remember about you, obviously, at the Hurricanes is your info committee. You were recruited in your very first year at the Hurricanes. What, the best signing potentially of all time for the info committee. Any good memories from your times in that committee?
1: Obviously, one of the greatest honors of my life. Um, obviously, sits above uh, marrying my wife, you know, winning the round Shield, winning Super Rugby, like all those pale in comparison to you know the initial signing into the uh, Info Committee. I was very stoked, you know. It's a prestigious committee. Um, you know, we did a lot of work. You know, we were—I don't know how you put it—we were the—we were the team barometer. You know, like. Yeah. Anyone got a little bit out of their hand, you just whack them down a couple. A bit of subtle humour, um, potentially sometimes went a bit far and probably not so PC, but um yeah, it was was a lot of fun. I had a lot of lot of fun doing that,
0: mate. <laughs> did you what you and Reggie? Oh, so good. Any pranks that stand out for you? You obviously did a few good ones.
1: Um, I think you played the one with Waddy. Um, yeah, when we managed to. Sacramento, not getting a flight refund or whatever it was. um It's probably not okay to on here, but Vince asked was one when he spoke to the doctor about his um,
0: checkup.
1: Checkup. Uh, I don't know if you can put that one up, but that's probably the greatest prank I ever heard. Uh, the one. I've got it, if you want me to send it through, but uh, the one where we convinced Nani that he needed to wear dreadlocks in his first game to honour Martin <laughs> Yeah,
0: I've, I have played that one. That's
1: <laughs> so up, good. <laughs> so honest, he's like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. Like, Thanks, mate.
0: <laughs> you've, I think you've done a couple others that I haven't got any um, audio on. You did a Ben Lamb one, didn't you, Beef and Lamb? Oh, I might have that extra oh, phone maybe, still I maybe, thought, maybe that's one that you could send through for good times from Jim yeah. and Rido with Speedo I think these two were a couple when I was involved when I was over yeah. in England but you, you came up chumps with a couple of good ones
1: it's amazing how gullible the boys are straight off the bat when they first arrive like I know just eager to please you know like
0: <laughs>
1: Just too easy.
0: Well, it was always exciting how eh? you'd see the team team named and stuff for the year, and you start writing down all the new guys. And you're like, righto, first. He's a mug. He's a mug. He's a mug. We'll get him. <laughs> Just this big list. I'm trying to come up with ideas. Was some good memories. Right? <laughs> Another thing was the Nick nominate. Do you remember the Nick nominate video that you and Reggie did? I found that oh, on my grits. phone the other day. Oh, you still got it? <laughs> still got it. It's blurry because oh, it, it, <laughs> it was recorded a long time ago, but oh, it cracked me up again. So good.
1: Oh yeah. I would really like to see that again, mate. I thought that was lost to the um to the archives, but yeah, oh, oh, great stuff.
0: I found it in the archives. And I think that was the night um, Reggie pranked um our nutritionist, Rico. Remember that one? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. oh, these are okay to put up. You've got to put these up for the, the masses, mate. They'll appreciate it. Oh, I'm sure they will. I, I can't find that Rico one either, actually. But, yeah, it'll be there. Yeah, it'll be somewhere, somewhere deep, deep in the archives. So then, um, let's get to your Kane's career. Obviously, your debut, that obviously went pretty well against the Sharks. But what happened then? You didn't get a huge amount of game time that first season, did you? You were behind a couple no, of
1: Yeah, I played a total of two games, um, obviously the the debut, and then a few weeks later I played maybe the Highlanders, I think, Um, and then I spent the rest of the time um, just, I mean, you can get cynical on it, uh, so holding tackle bags, getting smashed, but really just learning, just watching and learning, and and trying to soak up as much as I can, because, you know, it's where you want to be, so you've got to understand the standard and and get to that level, so um, still a great year, like, love being around the boys and kind of that, and then, At the end of that year, Hammer and Alama were were finishing up and Bordie and Plum were starting. So I had a meeting with Bordie at the end of that year and he said, "Um, look mate, we'd like to sign you, but we haven't seen you play enough obviously this year, so go back to IT Cup and and give it your best crack and and we'll see how we end up. Um, And so I went back and just gave my 100% and thought I was playing pretty well and I was like, okay, I might be in here, who knows, who knows and nothing had come through, and Richard Watt was like, you getting anything, mate? Like, what's going on? Because Waddy was always in my corner.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, love him for that. And then, uh, yeah, got to the last day on signing day. Oh. I think it's it's a five o'clock cutoff on and it was like a Tuesday or a Thursday.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and nothing had come through, and I was like, right, so I'm going to have to, obviously with Hawkspace still, I'm going to have to figure out a job and everything for next year, and just go with that. I was out playing golf with Brendan O'Connor and it was obviously five o'clock shut off. It was maybe 4.20. I was on the tee and I get this phone call and Warren Alcock, my agent, and he's like, mate, canes come through. they got an offer. Can you get to Hawke's Bay Union offices and sign it before five o'clock? I was like, can I? <laughs> just gapped it straight away. I was there within five minutes. Uh-huh. Done. I was like, oh, thank God. Man, that's loose, Man, <laughs> <But, so. laughs> Mate, it's like, it shows you how, like, perilous the rugby world is you know like i don't know how many um what your listening numbers like here and and what people think it's like for professional rugby players mate but at any stage it can be taken away from you
2: yeah
1: and there's there's absolutely no job security and you know people say like oh it's um you know it's part of the job you get paid mega bucks we don't get paid mega bucks you get it right um but you know you're you're an injury away you're a coach's opinion away from yeah. having no job yeah. and no security no nothing so like yeah it's can be quite stressful right? away
0: yeah, yeah for sure so was that a two-year deal that you signed no nah, it was a, a deal. one year one oh, year okay yeah but you impressed so, him enough yeah. that year was this 2015 or
1: so that was 2015 so roll back in 2015 and yeah. obviously my was there and I was that was just great because he's phenomenal player and he was just one of the lads like getting around the boys and yeah. just super generous guy. So it was just the, the team started to get this kind of energy and and um and I think Thrushy, Thrushy must have had I think he had after flying to Africa for the first game, he had something in his calf, maybe like a blood like, clot or some kind of small tear. Oh, yeah. And so he he unfortunately got flown home and, and then I got the opportunity to start the first four games with uh,
0: big Jared Broadhurst. Oh the two Jareds
1: yeah, which was exciting. So a couple of J- Jared's in the second row they're gone for it, which was awesome. And yeah, after yeah, those four or five games, Thrush started to come back in, but I still was there as that kind of you know, reserve lock kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and and Board and Plum obviously thought that I was played a decent enough footy. So yeah, then from then I got a two year contract after that. So that that provided that security and it was yeah, it was um yeah, it was good to have that surety and, and be where I wanted to be. Like, I, I love the Canes and I wanted to be a part of it you know, yeah. going forward, so.
0: And were you on the bench in the final?
1: I was on the bench in the final, yeah. I got about 10 minutes of <laughs> action and obviously, you know, pretty disappointing day for the Hurricanes and the Hurricanes supporters, but yeah. equally a fantastic day for Highlanders supporters and, and players, so happy for them. But, um yeah, so I didn't get on in that game, Um which was better, you know, it was a better pill to take, but, the coaches have their reasons. Yeah. Um <laughs> the worst thing, mate, was so I didn't play, right? And then we're sitting there watching the Highlands get their medals. And then this fella walks up and taps on the shoulder, he's like, Hey mate, you gotta come for a drug test. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even play, like, why are you coming to me? <laughs> I absolutely fear. It. And so, like, I'm pretty sure it's worked out that it's it's me, maybe I can't remember who else. And then the other, the Hollanders players getting drug tests is Richard Buckman and Brennan Edmonds, two Hawks Bay boys who just absolutely gave it to me. So, oh, this, is, this is rough. This
0: is rough, mate. So. Oh, that is rough, rough memories. That must have been tough sitting on the bench for that whole game. Did you feel like you could have added something if they got you on? You always think you can add mm. something, mate. Like,
1: in that situation, like, the boys are starting to get tired. You, you know, if you came on, like, you're going to give it a hundred. You, you, yeah, you might energy. have to provide that little bit of energy to do something. But you provide energy to the players around you and you know, I would have loved the opportunity to do that, but you know, yeah, yeah, it wasn't to be so
0: yeah. and, a, and a drug test to on. Yeah,
1: get to pee in a bottle while some fella watches me, which was just brilliant.
0: What a night. <laughs> oh, but obviously the following year was a lot more successful. Talk me through your two thousand and sixteen memories.
1: Right, so what we rolled in, um, we'd obviously lost the final and everyone was saying, you know, we've had a big of exil- exodus of players. We lost Conrad and Mata and um Thrashy. Yeah, and then obviously big James Broadhurst had his headers, bloody unfortunate um concussion um problem from RTM Cup the year before. So he was he was out. So yeah, we lost a lot of all blacks, we lost a lot of depth and um so kinda of writing us off, um, which was disappointing. And then obviously we underperformed in the first two games. We got pumped obviously fifty two something against the Brumbies mm-hmm. game one and then lost the landers by a bit game two. And then everyone's like, worst worst Hurricanes team ever. And we, we didn't believe that obviously we, we knew we were capable of something here.
0: Yeah. Were you starting then?
1: I started the first couple, maybe oh, I don't know how long I lasted. Maybe five, yeah, six games or so. Oh, yeah.
2: And
1: then I smoked my neck at training one day, um, ran into the and Bears hip, which oh. is, I don't recommend for anyone. Um, and then, I spent a week trying to get right, played, but I wasn't right and didn't play very well and not that this is a reason, but like, they decided after that that um, Viar and, and Fats would actually, yeah, become the locking duo and like, they played phenomenally well, mate, and they were a big part of the Hurricane success that year, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not bitter about that. Like, I think, they were the right men for the job and they were having phenomenal seasons and it, and it meant that the team went well. Mm. And so like, I've always been the kind of guy that, you know, I'm team first, so I'll do whatever I can to help the team. Like it's, yeah, yeah I'm not, not going to spill my milk and drop my lip and do whatever you do. So,
0: yeah. So when we got, when we got to the finals, 40, you were on the bench again? Yeah. So I was on the bench for final. Um, and any nightmares yeah, came about on the, not getting on? Uh,
1: I can't remember, mate, to be honest. I just remember it being finals week and I just knew we were gonna win. Like sure I just did you. just knew it. I just I don't know. I don't know what if anyone else thinks this, but I just felt in the second half of that season when we when we turned it around after losing to the Chiefs at home, um, and we we decided we wanted to be a defe- like defence team, a rush defence team. Mm. And like it was pretty I don't know what the right word is like, it was all organic at the start, but like we're just gonna be a rush team. There was no like Method to it all, it just started happening and like yeah. we just started becoming this like rush defense team. And like, and then when we got to the well, I think it was a quarter semi and a final quarter against the Chiefs, like it was just horrendous day. Like it was windy, rainy, Wellington. And like, I knew that well, we all know that when it's wet, it's a lot harder to attack. So yeah. it's way better to be a defensive team on those days.
0: Yeah.
1: So obviously, we dispatched the Chiefs, and then the next week we had Sharks. We had the Sharkies. Mm. We had the Sharkies. There you go. And same that, thing. That Ruff was the day.
0: Well, yes, yeah, shocking weather.
1: That was rough old day. And I was like, I was, me and Cully were living together and we are both like, we're on here. Like, we're just going to mm. do it again. The boys got up, defended, squeezed them out of the game. And then when the final came around, it was pretty much the same. Yeah, it <laughs> like, was. It
0: was shocking. It night. was freezing.
1: Shocking. Like, yeah, shocking, windy, rainy. Like, And I was like, I said the forecast from a week, I was like, we're on here. We, we're we just not losing this game. Like yeah. We're
0: just not. I just knew it. So, Mate, I've had a lot of guys, obviously, from the Hurricanes who played in that game on the podcast, and they all say the same thing, that they just knew they were going to win that game. I, I didn't feel the yeah. same because I felt the same the year before against the Landers. I felt no. like we were just going to win that game. Um, but obviously yeah. we didn't. So going into yeah. the Lions game, I always felt like, oh, I feel like we should win it, but I'm not as confident as everyone else who obviously yeah. knew that we were going to win it. But, mate, obviously that confidence worked.
1: Yeah, it did. It did. Corey Jane caught that glorious ball on the line and oh, scored that try. It put us, what, 20
0: points up and it was
1: just like, see you later, game's so you over.
0: Shut it out. Bo- I think Bodie scored a freakish try as well, out of nowhere. Yeah, the golden one. Oh, the so, golden one. So gifted. And the following year, I'd left by then but I think you played the British and Irish Lions that year is that right? Yes yeah, you yeah, so played the Lions so How was that? What
1: was that? It was June. That, Hey that was a phenomenal wave. so obviously in my four years at the Canes four years at the Canes I was lucky enough to see like obviously the two finals we had at home plus the semi and quarter I think like the Cape Town at full capacity which is
2: yeah.
1: not that easy to do <laughs> <laughs> so like like I experienced that stadium and it was just awesome. But there's something about the Lions, eh? Like running out onto that field, there was fire going and like there's that many more seats and like New Zealand fans are fantastic, but they're pretty reserved, you know. Mm. But the Lions fans were just absolutely going for it. Like right. and it just it was the most amazing for them to run onto that field and then and then play that game, like and obviously it was the midweek alliance, so they I've got other motivations but like we gave it everything we could and ended up it was a draw but yeah the whole experience is just something you, I don't even know what the Lions was when I was a kid but like it's something you dream of made a assist yeah yeah, it was an epic experience
0: yeah it looked like it looked like an awesome occasion but that year you wasn't as successful are you guys knocked out, got knocked out in the semis or quarters over in Joburg I remember yeah, so watching we, yeah
1: so we got to the semis and we you know played the Lions there and we probably I don't know if everyone agrees with us, but I think we probably overtrained that week at, at, at altitude. Oh, really? And so the boys were like because we got there early and we were <laughs> Yeah. Davey Gray, mate. He's not good. <laughs> but the boys got we got there early and we were like recovered really quick and like we were um everyone's feeling really good and like mm. so you end up doing a little bit more than potentially you should in a semi-final week at altitude. Yeah. And so obviously we came out of the gate strong and we were up twenty odd to now
0: I think, to start. It was like, yeah, oh, half time. Yeah
1: right. And so it's like, here we go, the Canes are firing today. And then in the second half, like, they started to crawl back into it and then just started to overtake us. And then we were just gas, mate. Like, that was mm. the end of it. Which was, um, yeah, it was bloody disappointing. Not the way we wanted to finish and not really the way I wanted to finish my time at the Canes, but, yeah.
0: yeah. How did you find playing at altitude?
1: <sighs> it, did, it just burns a bit more. Like, it's just a, you know, you're not, like, heaving for your ear, I didn't find. Mm. But, like, it's that. It's that like sharp burn in your throat that like no amount of water you drink just gets rid of it. That's what I find. Oh man, you get the same feeling after running a bronco, like you're just like sculling water, and it's just like why are you not putting out that fire? <laughs> it's
0: so annoying. Yeah. Oh, true. So so when did when did you sign for Japan? Must have been about
1: January of that year.
0: Oh, at the start. And what was your reason? Yeah, so- what was your reason for the sign uh, for signing over there? Oh, I just um,
1: I wanted to experience something new and, and, and travel and yeah, try different, living in a different country, a different culture, and stuff like that. And
2: yeah.
1: I, had, I played all right, but I hadn't had the most successful, super happy career. And I was like, all right, time to go try something new. And obviously, I played reasonably well that year. And everyone was like, oh, you signed in Japan too early, mate. I was like, mate, potentially the reason I'm playing well is because I have no stress, like, because yeah. I'm relaxed, I know what I'm doing. So, you know. Six one half dozen the other so
0: yeah so no obviously no regrets about that because you like you did have a really good season that year before you left yeah
1: I guess like I, I wrote down I think I've still got my goals I wrote before that season but I wrote that I wanted to leave Wellington and and the Canes um, with no regrets like mm. just know that I've done the full pre-season. I've trained as hard as I can I've tried as hard as I can and if if uh, if I play zero games or I play all the games. I know I've given it my best to then to leave on those terms. So I felt like when I left, I was like, "I'm happy here, yeah. mm. happy to have given it what I can." Yeah.
0: And what was it like going over to Japan? New, very new experience, new country. Um, how was it for you?
1: <laughs> Wild. <laughs> <laughs> nah, mate. So, like, obviously, anyone that's been to Japan knows there's, there's a lot of things that are lot, very different over here. And it's anyone that comes over here, the faster you can adapt and assimilate and, and put your blinkers on to a degree, the, the faster you'll come to enjoy it and love the space. Yeah, like there's some just mind boggling rules and right. ways of doing things that you just you look at it and just have we laugh to yourself and carry on and either conform or don't conform. No. Yeah, you can just play the foreigner card and people are like, oh, he doesn't understand. You're like, I don't. So, yeah.
0: What are your three f- oh, favourite or worst favourite rules over there?
1: <laughs> this is not a crazy one, but this is just one that happened to me yesterday. Um, I went I went to the pool to do some swing for a bit of training. Yeah. And I jumped in and I hit my watch. I was like, sweet, let's go. And I did one length and the guy comes up and goes, sorry, mate, no watches in the pool. And I was like... I did it for my timing and distance. He goes, "Use that big clock over there." I was like, "Okay, whatever you say." So I was, take the watch off and carry on. You know, <laughs> it's just like there's no reason for it other than the fact that it's a rule and he knows he can enforce it, so he did it. So, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, okay. so it's, it's little ones like that where you're like, "This is a little bit pointless," but hey, we'll we'll just follow it. So yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah. Any other good
1: ones? Um, I. Have come to enjoy how they back into car parks.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone has to back in. Eh? I remember getting told off yeah. the first time I drove into the car park forwards. The man <laughs> ran over, knocked on my window, and he's like, "No, reverse." I was like, "Oh, she's I just thought everyone yeah. did. I didn't know it was a rule. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's crazier. Well, well, I don't know. Like, it looks real neat, and it, and it makes a lot of sense because it's safer probably to back in, and then as you're pulling out, you can see where you're going. You're not going to crash the cars mm. and everything. But like. <laughs> The one that cracks me up is they, they'll, they'll back into the car park and then full knowing that they've got to get out of the car and get something out of the boot, but they can't even get into the boot because they parked too close to the other car. <laughs> yeah. Or like they're going, going to Costco and going Costco, grocery they the groceries in, in the boot. And you're like, well, you can't put your stuff in your boot, can you? Because you're backed in. Like, okay, it's all good.
0: <laughs> and the toilets? How have you found the toilets?
1: I avoid the whole the ground ones. Um, yeah, just don't do it. Yeah,
0: what about the um, fancy robot ones with all the squirty things?
1: I think I'll probably get one when I move back to New Zealand. Oh yeah, you enjoy um, it. yeah. Oh, was just, you know, this, the seats heated. You can turn it on. You can turn it off if you want. Obviously, there's the I don't know what you call that thing, the cleaning <laughs> nozzle thing, and like, and then like the whole tap on top. So you flush the toilet. Yeah, people understand this. You flush the toilet, and then the tap like you wash your hands into the basin and the basin fills up to then, you know, like using the next toilet flush. So it's like, efficient. it's just efficient. It's just efficient. Smart.
0: That's it. Oh, some good memories. Take me back. But what about, um, playing? You're going over to play with the Coca-Cola red sparks. How was it? How was it adapting to that level of rugby?
1: Yeah. So like, I think when I first turned up, I was surprised at the speed of the game. The physicality was less when I first arrived. Mm. Um, yeah, you just, you'd come out of a game like knowing you've ran around a lot, but not as sore as Super Rugby, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I think that physicality has slowly increased over the last four years, four seasons I've played here. True. And so, like, they're actually starting to be some reasonably decent sized fellows who are in the gym a fair bit. And, like, yeah, you, you know, you've played a game after now, nowadays. And yeah, uh, the skill set, the boys are skillful, but it's just, it's probably the rugby knowledge and vision and stuff like that that mm-hmm. you just, yeah, it, it comes from just playing touch as a kid and yeah. you know, having the freedom as a kid to just go at it, but it's very structured over here in the way they learn rugby. Yeah. So it's a
0: little bit robotic. And what about the foreigner rule? Obviously, there's pretty much five world-class players on the field for each team at the moment. Has it had a massive influence?
1: Yeah, for some teams, for sure. So, like, Bodie Barrett has been with his weight in gold over here. Like, he's played phenomenally well for the century, which has been well, it's been a pleasure to watch, to be honest. But, um, yeah, so sometimes you roll up and, you know, like uh, you have any number of international players playing. You can only play three capped, so internationally capped players in one team and okay. two on the field at a time. So, like, for example, we played Kubota. Um, Bernard Foley and Michael Marks were starting and Ryan Crowley was on the bench and then one all change. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the reffing is sometimes hard to understand yeah.
0: over here. <laughs> like, That's a good point because you know. it's shocking over there, eh? And it's, it's it's something as a part of the game that, I mean, they've got they've spent a lot of money on the competition now and it, they've got a really mm-hmm. good competition, but the refing is just so poor. And I know that they are, I think the refs only get 50 New Zealand dollars a game and they have to pay for their own travel because uh, Aso mm-hmm. San was a ref. And he said that. And I mm. mean, it just makes no sense. You've got to start, they got to start investing a little bit more in the refereeing.
1: Yeah. Like, the, you know, the, a ref's a ref and they're doing their best out there. Um, And I'm not going to begrudge a referee for, you know, for officiating a game for, like you say, mm. not, not a lot of money and no financial gain. But there's a weird phenomenon over here whereby if you're a lower ranked team and, People who play for low ranked teams know exactly what I'm talking about. If you play a higher ranked team, like you're just not gonna get anything. Like you're not gonna get any calls go your way. Like it's just it's really, really hard not to lose your call sometimes because mm. the calls are just just not fair. Yeah. <laughs> so like <laughs> honestly, we played we played Kubota this year. Malcolm Marks got maybe seven turnovers in the game. And maybe two of them were okay. The rest of them, like, <laughs> he didn't even touch the ball on a couple. And, like, or the goal tackle he would literally be touch the ball penalty straight away. Oh, okay. And it's just like, because Malcolm Marks is good at jackaling, the refs are yeah. always looking at Malcolm Marks when he's jackling and it must always be a penalty yeah. if the ball doesn't, if he doesn't get the ball. So, we're like, oh, man, this is painful. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: you need a good reputation, but, and the game's easy. You're away. Not even joking, not even joking. Jesus, mm, crazy. Eh? <laughs> but you, another thing you did, you had your stag do over in um, Japan at Fukuoka. Any good no, that was your 30th. <laughs> it was your 30th, I think, mate. <laughs> what do you remember about your stag do? I remember Johan
1: Badu coming in <laughs> as the stag master, running the whole cutter. <laughs> Bloody rules here, rules there. You can't point, you can't talk about code, you can't do this, you can't do that. I'm like, all right, boss, you're in charge, mate. And he broke every rule and he was gone by eight o'clock. So that was maybe was potentially his stag, not mine. I don't know.
0: Well, I was loving that, day eh? Because he really wanted to get you and me hammered. But he ended up being gone burger before we'd even started. <laughs> One of the greats.
1: Oh. I just, he stitched himself up. It was great stuff. But the rest of the night was just awesome. Had a couple of the Japanese boys in with us there. And like, I don't know if they've been on too many stags. I'm not sure if they do that over here, but. They all dressed up as minions and seemed to have a fun old time. So that was great.
0: Yeah. Oh, and what about what about the plans going forward for Jared?
1: So I'm in a bit of a uh, what's the right word? A bit of flux at the moment. Another word for you, mate.
0: Hey, mate, you've been impressive with your big words. I reckon there's been three or four which I'm questioning whether I know what they mean or not. So that's that's good from you. I wrote them down before I came in, mate. <laughs> well, you've got them out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I haven't actually.
1: But uh, so, yeah, so Sanax has decided to downsize a bit. Um, so I was told pretty early on in that process that I wasn't going to be re signed here. Oh. Really wanted to stay here, like, really enjoy the environment. Like, obviously, love it here with the beach and, and um, golf courses everywhere. Uh, so that was, yeah, a bit of a shock to the system. And then obviously, but now it's up to the agent to find me a, a new team. And, and that's been three or yes, almost four weeks now and it's a slow process haven't i've had a bit of interest but haven't nothing's really come through concrete yet so obviously being in that situation like it's as i said earlier like mm. people that you know operate outside of rugby don't realize that like effectively i've just been made redundant <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. and and if, if for whatever reason a team chooses not to pick me up then I've got no income, haven't been working in a career for a long period of time like you, you basically start from scratch, so uh yeah, that's been a little bit stressful recently, but I think it's going to work out for the best and hopefully yeah maybe in the next couple of weeks I should hopefully sign up with a new team, which is
0: good true but as a as a Japan international, surely that's someone's going to have to pick you up no.
1: I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. You'd think so, wouldn't you? yeah I would not Yeah, yeah. I hope. I certainly hope so. so. The rules have changed a little bit over here, from what I understand. That if you are eligible to play for Japan, then you become effectively a local player. Yeah. So that's, so a, that's you, a massive
0: it, bonus for you personally, isn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah. So, so
1: my situation is not as bad. So I'm mm. quite lucky in that respect. There's a lot of boys here. Um, you know, one for example is Jason Emery, like he has a young family and the same thing has happened to him, but he's not in the same boat as me. So it's it's just that little bit harder to, to, to get a gig to you know yeah. get a contract. So like it's yeah. Yeah, it's been tough.
0: True, man, that is tough. Mm. Well, I'm sure. The Japanese clubs listening to What a Lad, they'll all be scrambling over you after listening to this because they know what a lad you are and what an impact you would have on any team, <laughs> info included. Uh, I
1: wish I'd prepared something to, you know, put my name out there. I could, like, give a little 30-second blurb <laughs> about why they need me, mate. What do you
0: Go on. <laughs> Off the cuff. Let's hear it.
1: <laughs> Can do info in two languages. Uh, great for team banter, always tries hard.
0: Right, <laughs> oh, you only you summed that up in seven seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's what a great summary. But if your career did end right now, what what would Big Jared do?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm probably not quite sure of yet, and that's some an avenue I need to probably explore a lot more. So in New Zealand, they're really good with pushing PD, doing personal development outside of rugby, yeah. and like I, I did got a degree and that's all good but very little work experience so to know what you're really qualified in is is probably what I need to figure out and and probably a lot more like what I want to do Um, it's yeah I don't really know what I want to do yet which is going to be something I need to figure out because that that transition from rugby although I haven't done it I've read enough about it to know that if, if you don't have anything that you're passionate about it makes that transition just that much harder. 100%. And I really don't want to be in that situation. So, uh, yeah, exploring, exploring avenues and whatnot. But you know, maybe I could, I thought you were going to be a, um, a bloody harness, harness race driver.
0: Yeah, well, that's still yeah. that's still the plan. But um, i got so many gigs coming up. I just <laughs> had to put that on hold.
1: <laughs> Have, do, they, do they take 110 kilo? Fellas, or apparently so
0: it doesn't make a difference. Well, that's what Bago says, but he never drove many winners.
1: No, he didn't. Well, he drove our horse and it didn't really win much of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, that's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> how we
1: one of the great horses. <laughs>
0: oh, what a journey! Anyway, Jared, as always, I've gone to the Instagram for some questions, and mate, okay, people love Jareds, especially the big Jared. Okay, first question is from Chris Eaton. Ask him how his and Allardyce's first conditioning session coming to Hawke's Bay was.
1: Oh. <laughs> Grant Dern's run an absolute, oh, a murderous bloody fitness session in this field in the middle of Havelock North. I thought I handled it pretty well, but Michael Allardyce did not handle it <laughs> at all well. The poor fellow hadn't done probably any fitness in a while, and he'll... He agree with me on this one, and uh, it was crawling and different levels of squats and all this kind of stuff that really loaded up the pins,
2: yeah.
1: And then Mikey, poor old Mikey, was um, he was like Bambi on ice, mate. He was just like legs were locking out, and he's like, he I like, couldn't walk. It was just oh, one of the greatest memories of my life. should around like that,
0: and you just dominated it. You were sweet.
1: I wouldn't say I dominated, but I,
0: I was. Okay,
1: enough to know that he was really struggling and, <laughs> and enjoy it, you know.
0: Oh, well, it always makes it easier, eh, when you see someone battling <laughs> twice as much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. Okay, this is, a, this is a weird one. Are you and Dane Cole's brothers?
1: We're not brothers, um, but define the term brother, mate. I mean, it's 2021, we things are different, like mm,
0: brothers. I
1: mean. Like I'm going to say, like, yeah, he's my brother, but then he might also say, like, they don't actually like ever, So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. <laughs> yeah, weird question. Okay. How loose would you get at an NSOC do back at Canterbury Uni?
1: Well, I wasn't an engineer, so probably not quite as loose as <laughs> the engineers themselves, but I went to a few of their barbecues and it was – it's what dreams are made of, mate. Like, you walk in, there's, like, a pathway you've got to follow around, you grab your beer – you drink your beer and then you jump back in the queue and you just keep going round and round and round and round and round, and round, and round. like. And this is Friday afternoon. You finish your lectures. You, 18 years old. You're like, this is just fantastic. Yeah, it was worth it. it was, they were great. They were great.
0: <laughs> Sounds like you had some good loose times at um, uni. Next question, Hugh. Hugh Renton. Ask him if he still takes the team forks home. Oh, get a grip, Huey
1: <laughs> Mate. I took a few forks, home, Right, like once or twice, but I always brought them back. <laughs> I was—I was actually notorious for bringing the forks back.
2: Yeah, oh. but
1: uh, but well, it was a strange phenomenon in, in, the, in the Hurricanes <laughs> um, kitchen. Hit like fifty knives, fifty spoons, one fork, and then Tony Ward going buy another fifty forks, chuck them in there. Within a week, one fork again. Like, <laughs> no, how does that even happen, Like, And
0: I knew I was bringing my back, so I don't know who was taking that. Yeah, something dodgy. I do remember a prank. Was it you who called um, Motu about stealing the shoes, the gym shoes?
1: (laughs) I I don't know if it went down too (laughs) well.
0: Oh, yeah. Who knows where the forks went? Okay. Any aspirations of coming back to the duck pond?
1: Darfield duck pond. Darfield was my original rugby club when I was just a young fella. Started there when I was, I don't know, four or five, five probably. Um, yeah, I do actually hold aspirations. I'd love to come back and play for Darfield. Great. Oh. Um, there's actually, there's still a lot of guys that they're playing for the Darfield senior team that, yeah you know, I knew played with when I was kids. Right. You know, it'd be, it'd be awesome just to get back there and, and play again where it all started kind of to a degree. But I don't know, I might be broken old man by that stage, but huh, gotta yeah. give it a crack,
0: you know. Yeah, hopefully not this year. <laughs> no, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this will be a good one. Nate Vela, he always asks good ones. Um, what really happened to the ankle in Brisbane on the Lime Scooter that day before the game versus the Reds? No, no.
1: Look, so <laughs> I'd roll one ankle uh, at training on the Monday and it was pretty bad and early in the week they were like oh look just we won't play you this week because of your ankle we'll get it right for next week and I was like okay I'm pretty disappointed I probably could play so then throughout the week I've been doing non-member stuff so going to the gym and stuff to do the extra training <laughs> and I was riding down to the gym one day on a lung skater and I like got a bit close to the curb and the curbs in Brisbane were just a little bit bigger and I kind of lost my balance and like just went to step off and <laughs> cognition was a bit low and i've just full just rolled the ankle like oh and then jump back on i was like
2: oh
1: rode all the way down to the gym and got there and it was just like an egg was just blowing up in my ankle oh, wow. dan prier is just like are you okay mate like that's absolutely nuts and i was like oh, i gotta go mate. i gotta go back and ice this thing up because this is not a good look what like, this was my good ankle so i've on ahead and rolled both ankles in one week oh, <laughs> like, <wow. laughs> and i've i've told a fella. i've said i've slipped off the curb and, and rolled my ankle but i was actually riding the lime skater to the gym for team activities but i mean it, it's still a curb but yeah yeah, not
0: great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we didn't even get to touch on your um sun wolves times but that was obviously um that sounded like a pretty loose year like some good times to be had on and mainly off the field
1: I, it was a it was a awesome team to be a part of like we when we arrived there we like knew we were like to a degree like a bunch of offcuts from other super rugby teams and stuff like that Yeah. and like we gone, got in and we got around that and like we had a, some actually some really really good rugby players there and like had it not been for um, a lot of player rotation moving in and out with the Japan squad preparation yeah, we probably would have actually played a lot of good footy and won quite a few games that year I believe but yeah, great team to be a part of. A lot of travel, a lot of fun times. Like, mate, I literally lived in a hotel for six months, didn't do my no washing once, never did dishes. Like, Ugh. it was just, it was crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy.
0: Okay. Two more questions. Hardest player to tackle?
1: Um, Mike Kynger.
0: Mike Kynger, was he?
1: he? He just gave me so many stingers. I don't know what it was. But like, Nani is obviously immensely hard to tackle. Oh, I remember um, getting, he's one just, of Nani
0: when he first arrived at, in the, yeah. and you were partnered up with him. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, like he just gets, he's just so quick he can just move that little bit of like, that space really fast and bang, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: So it's quite hard to make that tackle but, and then Scuds is hard on another level like he just makes you look like a fool.
2: Yeah.
1: But I, I used to do tackles with Mike konger after training quite often and he's just a heavy guy man, he just, constantly giving me stingers I I so much I don't know why <laughs> well,
0: that's a first was he's, he's never come up in that question before but it's good to know Mike Koinger, yeah, legend.
1: No, just really yeah
0: okay last question one piece of advice for a person who wants to become a professional rugby player
1: um don't underestimate the value of being super fit mm. um that's my kind of playing philosophy, and like, and like, it's. Well, I find like being fit as the team could like trains you is, is good, but like taking that next step and like doing that extra work outside of those hours or topping up when it's not expected of you on like the salt bike or just really just pushing that a little bit further, like I've found in my career, it's just able me to play like the best footy I possibly can, and like I'm not the most talented player. I know that, and I'm not the biggest lot going round, but I don't know, I'm fit enough I seem to just turn up in the right place every now and then and, and, and do the job so like I, yeah I would just say you yeah, don't under, underestimate being as fit as you possibly can.
0: That is great advice because the game is so much easier when you're fit it's such a hard game when you're thinking about air and thinking about how you can get as much oxygen in your lungs as possible and uh, you, if you're thinking about that it's just too hard isn't it?
1: Hundred percent, like you also know, like your skills are just—you're not fatigued, you're not tired. Your hands are up because yeah. you're fit, you're ready to go. Like yeah. you just—you don't drop balls, you don't miss tackle, Like as many, those kind of errors and stuff. So, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. mate. If you're, if you're, ra- if you're, if your career does finish for whatever reason earlier, you could always be one of the great mentors. That is some of the best <laughs> advice we've had on the podcast today. Get fit, <laughs> love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah,
1: oh, it's pretty simple, mate. Like it's like out of be. Don't overcomplicate things. Yeah, mate, you're a
0: good man and absolute legend. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I obviously love playing with you at the Hurricanes. Loved our times together in the info committee. Had some real good laughs and um, obviously coming over to Japan and living the Japanese life with you over there as well. It's been an absolute pleasure to share the rugby career journey with you and um, it's been awesome to catch up with you and get you on the World podcast, which I've been wanting to do for a long, long time. Mate
1: bloody uh based to be on your podcast um i probably won't listen to my own podcast uh but i'll just continue to listen to other boys ones I've, I've enjoyed them so far mate
0: <laughs> oh you're a good man appreciate it embo <laughs> right mate
1: cheers mate talk to what a lad what a lad what a lad what an absolute
2: lad